Amen. Thank you, Pastor Corey. Hello. It's such a, such a privilege and an honor to be here this evening. Um, I'm not going to talk about my story and give my testimony, but I am very grateful for all of the prayers that many of you have given, many of you have given at home um, on my behalf. Thank you. I know that the Lord heard those prayers, and as I like to say with Pastor Duke, um, it is so good to be seen, so I'm glad to be here. But there are much more important things than myself that we need to get into. Um, this evening, we will be continuing in our series on Colossians, Timeless Truths for These Uncertain Times. And I have the privilege of preaching from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Um, that will be our area of study this evening. And my prayer is that um, we will see how prayer itself is an essential element in grabbing hold of these timeless truths for these uncertain times. You catch that? That, that prayer is the essential element that we cannot forget so that we can really grasp these timeless truths, this ability to have hope in the middle of circumstances that are uncertain so that we um, can navigate these rocky waters of this uncertain time that we're in. Um, before we jump into the scripture, let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for an opportunity to be used by you to share a word for your people. I pray, Lord God, that you will use me as a tool, um, as a carpenter uses a hammer, um, that I will be able to articulate your thoughts. So I pray that you will move me aside, that you will use me to communicate, and that we will all grow because of the word that you speak this evening. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's, let's jump into the passage of Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each, per each person. One of the things that, that happens when you, you kind of do a study and we jump into a particular passage, if we're not careful, we will not remember what Paul has been, kind of what has been his motivation for writing this letter. And so if we jump back into chapter 2, he lays out why he is writing this letter, because there have been plausible arguments, plausible attacks, really, that have been coming against this church at Colossae. And because of these attacks, he's laid out what the gospel is, the centrality of Christ's supremacy, and how we get saved. And then what does that mean for practical living? What does that mean in terms of how we live in a manner worthy of the sacrifice that was made at the cross? And so he takes time to lay those things out. He starts off in chapters 1 and 2 with the indicatives, and then the imperatives come in chapter 3. And he's closing out that section of this letter in verses 2 through 6 in chapter 4. 
And so there was a a real sense of urgency that Paul would have had because he knew that the enemy was trying to come in and sift them as wheat. That there was really an attack against them. My my brother, Pastor Corey, he talked so elegantly about how Christ plus anything equals nothing. And this is the same kind of attack that we can see even in our society today. That if we don't have the right leadership in place in terms of politics, that, that somehow it, we won't make it, that, 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 that somehow the church will be lacking. There's, there's, there's the, the fear that comes in when, when we think about the financial sector and how things have been so rocky or how jobs have been lost or businesses have had to close down because of these uncertain times that we're in. And so we, just like Colossae, are under an attack, fiery darts being Um, shot at us in such a way to try to knock us off the square of faith that we should have in Christ and him alone. And and Paul has done an excellent job of helping us to see the supremacy of Christ over everything. And so now, as he's closing out his letter, and and one thing about kind of the last words is is, is these happen to be those things that are probably going to get remembered the most So there's a level of importance. I don't want to say that it's more important than other sections, but just because it's not very long does not negate the fact that these are important truths. And so in verse 2, we see continue steadfastly in prayer. There's a call to prayer that is being given. In these war times that this Colossae church is facing, he is saying, look, you need to be devoted to prayer. It won't always be easy. There will be frustrations that may mount. It may not seem like God is moving as quickly as you would like for him. Certainly that's something that I've experienced in my own life, and I'm sure you've experienced as well. But devoted, we must be nevertheless. Meaning that we are committed to giving time to our fellowship with the Father giving time to our fellowship with the one who created us. One thing that is so important about prayer is that it gives us opportunity to really move things from the abstract or in our head, in our intellect, down into our heart where transformation really takes place. There is a danger. There is a danger in our prayerlessness. There is a danger that we are saying in our own self-pride that, God, I don't really need you. I am a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman, and I don't really need you to get involved in my daily affairs. But even worse than that, in my opinion, is we miss out on the fellowship that God has made available. That, in fact, Jesus, who was so very rich, became so very poor so that we could have this relationship. That there is an intimacy that a father wants to have with his son or with his daughter that we miss out on. The significance that comes when the creator of the universe loves on you is missed out on. And we have to look to other things to fill the void. And so Paul, he says, be devoted, continue steadfastly in prayer. And watch this. He says, be watchful in it. See, there there are issues, there are situations that are around. We can't just mindlessly go to prayer. 
You know, um, there, there are times when, when I sit at the dinner table, I have a four-year-old, and when she prays, she gives the, she, she, she says the prayer, um, God is great, God is good, thank you for this food, right? Like, I, I think that's how it goes. I, I, I might be messing it up. But she says that, and, and it was a way of teaching her the practice of prayer. But after a while, if she's still saying that same prayer when she's 10, at some point it becomes without any kind of alertness to it. And, and, and this sense here that Paul has as he's talking about being steadfast in prayer with watchfulness is that we are awake, we are alert. Remember Jesus in the garden when he's talking to, to his disciples and he says, hey, you stay awake, I need you to pray because there's a time of temptation that you need to be aware of. This is the same type of alertness that Paul is, is describing here, that we need to be alert because the times that we are in are surely filled with warfare. There is an enemy of our soul who is looking to take us out, and he's not always showing up with a knife or something like that. It may be a lot more subtle than that, with plausible arguments of men. And so we need to be alert. We need to talk to the Father. Also, another sense in, in this word that he's laying out is, has God answered any of your prayers? Are you watchful to see if God is going to answer? Because he follows that up with being watchful in it with thanksgiving. That we should be thankful. We, there should be an attitude of gratitude that God not only saved us, which is always a reason to praise him, but that he's actually answered prayers that we've submitted to him. Do you, do you recall the time that you, you cried out and you said, God, I, I need this job? Or can you open up that door? And the door was open. Have you given him thankfulness for it? And, and, and there's a quick side note, but I think it's, it's worth uh, mentioning that the opposite of being thankful, of, 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 of not appreciating what God says comes with, um, or his answers to your prayers comes with great danger. And, and I want to quote something from a commentator named H.A. Ironside. To receive God's good gifts as a mere matter of course soon dries up spiritual affection. And we become self-centered instead of Christ-centered and foolishly imagine that God is in some way bound to lavish his mercies upon us, whether we are grateful or not. Family, we, we can easily move into a self-centered space where we believe that God is supposed to serve us, that he is supposed to do the good thing to us. And we lose our spiritual affection towards him. And, and like I said earlier, there is a blood-bought purchasing or, or, or a, 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 a um, purchase, a, 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 um, a, a transaction that was made so that we could have intimate fellowship with the Father. It didn't come just because God said, you know, poof, be gone to sin. He paid a tremendous price by offering up his only begotten son. Jesus paid that price so that we could have this intimacy with him. And so for us to take some type of an attitude that would not be thankful and grateful for what God has given to us, shame on us. We should never have that type of a, a disposition towards God as if he owes us anything. Because if we got what we deserved, 
I don't want to talk about that and I don't have the time. But if we got what we deserved, it would not be in our best interest. I guarantee you that. Paul moves from there in, in, in verse 2 to in verse 3. He says, pray for us. Bringing in the idea of intercession. And family, and I, and, and I choose that word intentionally. We are a family. And, and I need your prayers as much as you may need my prayers. We need to pray for one another. We need to move off the square of just me and mine and move to a, a, a space where we are praying for all. There are a lot of challenges. There are a lot of ways that the enemy is attacking. And, and, and we can see it in, in the persecution or the suffering that Paul is going to, through. Because as he continues on, as he's making his prayer request known, we find out that he is in jail. For the sharing the message or the, the mysteries of Christ. Sharing the word. It landed him in jail. Earlier in chapter 1, he talked about his sufferings and, and how he was able to rejoice in them because they were bearing fruit in that other people were getting saved. There, there, there is a need. And Paul does not stand in some kind of pride or, or some position where he feels like, well, because I'm an apostle, I don't let them know. No, he says, pray for us, talking about himself and his apostolic team. He's, he's asking for prayer. And so we need to take that cue and understand that interceding on behalf of our brothers, interceding on behalf of our spiritual leadership is something that we are being instructed to do. Remember, these are not, um, you know, nice um, suggestions that, no, this is the apostle himself telling this church and, and, and by proxy and through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, he is telling us that we need to pray for others. We need to intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters. If you're a member here at Grace Covenant Church, if you're, if, you know, scratch that as a member of the body of Christ, we should be praying for our brothers. As we look at Paul's specific um, prayer request, I hope I didn't mess that word up too much. I have a hard time um, pronouncing that. Um, as we look at his, his um, request um, in particular, he says um, that God may open to us a door for the word. He's not asking for, for some material blessing for himself. His prayer request centers around the mission of God. His prayer request is that God himself will open the door. And I think it's really important for us to take note that Paul doesn't assume he has the ability himself to open the door, but that he is relying upon God to open the door. And that should be a cue for us in, in how we navigate these uncertain times. God, will you open up a door? God, will you illuminate a pathway for me? We're looking to God to be the one that directs us and leads us, that we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We don't lead him. He actually leads us. Paul takes his cues from God, and he wants to have the awareness of when that open door opens up, when it makes itself available, that he is um, positioned to declare the mystery of Christ. And he's already, in this letter, laid out the, the beautiful mystery of Christ, that, 
that Christ in you, the, the hope of glory, as he describes it in, in chapter one of this same letter. That Jesus, who lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died, this message is what he wants to declare, that he wants to make known to men. And he's looking for opportunities to do it, and he wants to do it with clarity, as we see in verse 4. He wants to be able to articulate this message, not in a fashion that will bring confusion, but that it will bring clarity. And he doesn't depend on his own skills as a speaker. He isn't reliant upon his, his vast knowledge of Scripture. He's saying, God, I need you to do something on the inside of me to make it clear as it comes out. Though he has maybe shared the message plenty of times. Epaphras actually ran into to Paul or was, he, had, he experienced Paul's ministry in Ephesus. So he had already, Paul that is, had already been at this apostolic thing for a while. But he didn't depend on his experiences and his abilities or, or what others have said about him. He depended on the most high God to, to allow him to articulate the message of Christ in a clear fashion. Once again, showing his dependence upon prayer and the prayers of others. See, prayer is this essential element that we need that really begins to tie things together. It, this intimacy with God, this expectation that God will answer, similar to what the Apostle John said, that this is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything, and he, according to his will, he will hear us. And if he hears us, we will have what we ask for. Paul believes that if this church prays on his behalf, God will hear them, and he will have what they ask for. There is a confidence that is exuded by the apostle because of the intimacy that he has with the father, that he's experienced in his time, in his walk with God. And he is sharing that with this church so that in their own lives that they will experience these same truths. And it's available to us, family. Once again, prayer is an essential element for us to grab hold of these timeless truths in these uncertain times. Prayer, this intimacy, this changing moves the information in our heads from just a mental ascent to really getting it imparted into our hearts. So that we can walk it out and we can live it out. And that's exactly where Paul goes to in the last two verses of this passage that we're looking at. In verse 5, he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Paul, as he's talked in this letter about his own um, desires to be able to further advance the gospel in the spheres of influence that he has, he thinks about this church at Colossae, and he reminds them. In fact, he instructs them that you have this same responsibility. And that instruction is for us once again. All of us have a responsibility to make Christ known. And now I've been in ministry long enough to know that for some of us, a lot of us, we don't feel comfortable about evangelism. We don't feel comfortable going up to a stranger or, or getting out on, a, on the, the corner and declaring who Christ is. I, th I believe Paul is, has laid out that the, 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 the preaching 
of who Christ is, there's a certain group. There's, those are for your spiritual leaders. There are, there are men and women who have been called to do that, and God has anointed to do that. And while that may not be you, we are called to have what I like what one commentator said, responsive evangelism. What Paul is laying out here in, in verses 5 and 6 is how we are to um, live amongst outsiders, those outside of the body of Christ, um, in such a way so that we can give answer to their questions when they want to know about Christ, about the, the hope that resides on the inside of you. So he, he, he's laying out what it looks like for us to be prepared for those questions. And the first thing that he lays out is that there is a need for us to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. You know, as he's talked about putting away sin, and, 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 and Pastor Victor preached on that a few weeks ago, and, and, and how it's our responsibility, and there are things that we, we need to do, and the grace of God strengthens us so that we can walk in the freedom that is available to us. But we need to do that. Because if we don't, it doesn't matter how gracious our words are or how seasoned with salt that they are. I don't want to hear from you if you're beating your wife, if you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And, 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 and that was a pretty harsh example. I don't know why I, I jumped to that. <laughs> but the, the, there, there is a reality that there is a way that we can live that turns people off from us trying to be a witness for Christ. But this wisdom is not the wisdom of men that Paul is talking about. This is a wisdom that comes from Christ himself. In, in chapter 2, Paul laid out this idea that the treasures of knowledge and wisdom are hidden in him. And so we must spend time with him so that these treasures can be mined and we can live in light of those treasures. Oh man, prayerlessness robs us of so much. But the man or woman who commits, who devotes themselves to prayer is going to have the ability to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. And then he, he says, um, walk in wisdom towards outside, outsiders, making the best use of the time. And, and when you look at the, the study out, the, what that means, it's the redeeming of the time. It's, 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 it's taking advantage of similar to what he asked for prayer for, the open doors for the word. Those opportunities that, that, that come before us if we are aware of them, if, we're, if, if, if we are conscious that God is making an open the door, we can redeem the time by beginning to share our truths that we've learned about who Christ is and what he's meant to us in our lives. But that's something, there's an attention to that. There's an alertness that we have to have. You know, as I was kind of preparing, it made me think of a salesman. You know, um, salesmen, depending upon their product, they may have certain hours that they're doing it. But if they get into a casual conversation with a friend or something like that, and as a realtor, and you say, man, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a house. Oh, you're looking for a house. Well, I can help you with that. Because he, he may have noticed there's an opportunity for him to take advantage of that moment. Similar, we need to, 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 to take advantage of the time. And here's why. It's because if we don't, there is a great, horrific 
punishment that is coming for those who are outside the body of Christ. And we know that. This is why we're part of the reason why we're thankful. That we are not going to be subjected to that punishment that we rightfully deserve. And so we, we have this ulterior motive not to be able to, to brag to our friends that someone got saved, but because of a genuine love that we have for another person, for another man. The, the, as Christ would say, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if I love my neighbor as myself, why wouldn't I want them to know about Christ? And so he, he says that we need to redeem the time, that we need to take advantage of the time that's there. And so when, when, when the moment presents itself, Paul says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Kind of in, 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 in another way of, of thinking about those two phrases is that your speech shouldn't be arrogant, condescending, it needs to be gracious. There needs to be a kindness there. And it doesn't need to be boring. So it needs to be seasoned with salt. And so you need to take time to prepare for these moments. God, how should I share my testimony? We, when I was on campus, we used to call it the two-minute miracle, where I talk about for 30 seconds what my life was like before Christ, uh, about a minute of what it looked like for me to come to Christ, and then 30 seconds for me to, to talk about what it meant after I've come to know him. Because I'm trying to put it into a, a concise amount of time or succinct amount of time, I can be really concise with what I want to say, and I can keep the interest of the person that's li listening to me instead of me kind of jumping all around. I can purposefully lay out some things that will be intriguing to someone to get to know who Christ is. And if I'm fortunate enough and, and they've maybe already, someone's already planted a seed in the soil of their heart, maybe I get to be the person that sees God reap it as God brings the, the increase. Maybe I get to participate in that. But nevertheless, my response to the questions that they may lay out to me have everything to do with me being prepared. Me being prepared for that moment. My wife and I, we were spending some time, some time talking. And, um, you know, the election is, has been pretty divisive in our country. And you may get a question, well, why did you vote the way that you did? And if you've been um, able to do what Pastor Brett said in terms of voting your biblical conscience, then you may be able to use that. You may be able to parlay that into a reason for the hope that you have. Well, you know, I went in this direction because of what Christ has said. And I trust him because of what he has done for me. Are you prepared for those moments? We need to prepare ourselves. And similar to Paul, we need to pray and ask for prayer that God will open up doors so that we can share the word in those moments. Not being one like a preacher declaring it, but that I will be able to give an answer to the questions that they may have. This is, is kind of the summation of what Paul was saying to the church at Colossae. That he wanted them to be not only prepared to live in a, in a way that was worthy of the call that, that God had put on their lives. But he also wanted them to be able to turn that love that they have for one another outward to their community so that the kingdom could continue to expand. We need to also have that type of heart. 
That is a mandate for us as believers. That we have a love for our neighbor so much so that I take time to prepare how I will respond to this question if it's ever presented to me. You know, one, one thought that I had is, is that, you know, sometimes we can find a great deal, you know, like on an item that you purchase. And if you're like me, I pray and ask God, hey, you know, I got recently need to buy a new car. God, where should I go? And found a deal that I'm really excited about so much so that if someone says, oh, I like your car. It's like, yeah, man, this is what happened. Like I, I found this car on the lot and it was sitting there and it was this price and only had that amount of miles because I bought it used. But that's a, an opportunity for me to parlay, hey, man, there is a God who heard my prayers and he directed me. I feel that he gave me direction to be able to find this deal. But we, we want to have thought those things through so that this final thing that Paul says there, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That is an instruction for us, that we live in such a way. And that we speak in such a way that gives answers to those who are outside the faith that will intrigue them with wanting to know who Christ is.